This is the Invincible Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Invincible Season 2, Episode 3, Dismissive, This Machination. You're a good human, Mark Grayson. Hey, when I'm in this outfit, I'm invincible. So far. No, I'm saying, like, you have to call me invincible. It's like a secret identity. Oh, right. Of course. Invincible. Guardians to the Invincible Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Season 2, Episode 3 of Invincible, this missive, this machination. I had to say that four different times to get it right on the first take, because this is the take you're hearing, so I got it right, I swear. I am one of your Invincible hosts, Chris. Welcome back, Chris. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek, and welcome back, fellow Guardians. Good to have you back, Chris. Yes. Uh, yes, thank you for having me back. You know, like it's just a good thing to be back every now and again. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the uh, germ-centered child that I bore from the fruit of my loins uh, is germ-filled and basically took himself down and then me and the rest of the house out with it. Um, he's not even six months old. We were just talking before we started recording. But yes, apparently they, the, his superpower is I get sick, you all get sick. And That's you got you got to respect it. You got to respect it. Like he, he it's a yeah. one, all for one and one for all, kind of dog tanyan style. Exactly. Welcome to your life for the next eighteen years, Chris. Well, it could be less. I can kick him out sooner if you really want. <laughs> if it gets too much in the way of my podcasting, I might consider it. Oh, but yes, go. I am back, and a good thing because I got to watch this episode and talk to you all about it absolutely yeah great to have you back and uh really a huge thanks to john for jumping in last minute um as he said before he'd never podcasted on invincible before and he'd only kind of watched them in the background um while he has enjoyed them he hasn't been watching them the way you'd podcast about them so yeah. uh so he found uh, he found it really enjoyable to podcast about them but uh, still feels he missed a couple of things uh, that he'd normally pick up on uh, when he's podcasting so uh, thanks again john for jumping in it's back to myself and chris for your regularly scheduled podcasts about invincible for the next couple of weeks yes well for this week and two more weeks because we have the season to episode four kind of finale, mm-hmm. part one finale, uh, next week. And then the Atom Eve one hour special that we got, which was great fun. Uh, and then we're on break until kind of January uh, at some point. Well, they're still saying early 2024, uh, for the second half of, uh, of Invincible. And, uh, I'm suspecting that may still be possibly. April or May of next year. <laughs> yeah. May 29th. That's still technically first half. Exactly. Still early 2024. No, I'm sure it'll yes. be with us as soon as it possibly can. Uh, announcement this week from uh, Robert Kirkman uh, being interviewed about Invincible, where he said he's looking to have a new season every year uh, of Invincible. So uh, that is the hope. Uh, they're working towards that. We, they did get commissioned for season two and three at the same time, as we talked about last week. And uh, yeah, hopefully it stacks up that we'll get a new season of invincible every year that would be great if yeah. we do give me even a shorter season six episode seasons I'm, i can deal with that too all right yeah like, yeah or it could be like the simpsons we'll get 22 episodes a year for the next um 30 40 years yeah maybe not that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a finite thing amount you can do with the invincible um as by the fox uh simpsons where I'm pretty sure I've heard half of those jokes three times already when you watch some of the new ones. Really? Yeah, it's it went down in quality, in my own opinion. <laughs> but anyway, we're not here to talk about The Simpsons. We are here to talk about Invincible. Make sure, if you haven't, to head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe on any flying or grounded podcast player. And you can go to Spotify and the iTunes and, the, and anywhere you want to get us and just make sure you rate, review, leave us a five stars, whatever you need to do. 
But we also need you to send us some feedback because we love hearing from you, our fellow guardians. So make sure you send us any feedback to feedback at TV Podcast Industries. Dot com. You can leave us a voicemail over on tvpodcastindustries.com or you can head on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where we have a spoiler post for each and every episode and you can let us know your thoughts for those episodes in there and we'll read them out on this episode or these episodes with my or Derek's dulcet tones. Absolutely. Or maybe even John's if you're lucky. Yes, if if I come down with Lurgy one more time. <laughs> uh, with that being said and done, Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what, where, when, and how with this episode details? Absolutely. Well, of course, Invincible was created by Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley. The supervising director for this episode, once again, is Dan Duncan. Uh, this episode was written by Adria Lang. Uh, this is the first episode of Invincible, uh, but previously she wrote an episode of American Gods Season 2 and two episodes of You for Netflix, one in Season 1 and one in Season 2. So um, very into the drama uh, side of things. Yeah. And American Gods, it's one that's always... Kind of, I know it's a there. It's a Neil Gaiman. I've always wanted to get into it, but it's one of those kind of. Oh, there's three seasons. Oh God, I just never did. It was stars, I think, so it never really came onto Irish terrestrial. Um, it was like it's never been streaming on anyone that I could find. Maybe Prime, I think, streamed at a one point. Uh, but it's it's my blind spot. I need to get and watch that. Really do. I would highly recommend reading the book. The book is absolutely brilliant. One of my favorite Neil Gaiman books. The first season and second season of American Gods are quite good. And then behind the scenes, some massive, massive problems, which led to a terrible third season of the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So I'll watch the first two. But I do have some good news for you, Chris. It Come is on. available on Amazon Prime. Uh, where, where you're watching Invincible, so you can check it out. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, very, very good uh, first season, definitely. Fantastic. Well, I will check that out. And then all you need to do is just read the book to catch up on the rest of the story. That's, uh, that's yeah. what I'd suggest. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the episode was directed by Tanner Johnson. Uh, this is his first episode of Invincible, but previously directed 21 episodes of the DuckTales revival starring uh, David Tennant. Gotta love it. Still, DuckTales, one of the best theme tunes ever, ever created. And I will fight people for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Always. And as we always say on TV Podcast Industries, anything with David Tennant in it is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll give I'll give our listeners one tidbit. During my wedding, the second song to play ever at my wedding was the theme to DuckTales and two people got up myself <laughs> and one other mate. Everyone else was like, what the hell is happening? It was a ska version by uh-huh. Suburban Legends. It was a really good version, but it just kind of hard shifted from a song to this and everyone was like, what the what? Yeah. So yeah, there you go. A little uh, inside info about Chris that, uh, yeah. I, I think Don't myself play and John, at your wedding. <laughs> I, I think myself and John were just taken completely by surprise and had no idea what it was until the song was almost <laughs> over. So that's probably why yeah. we weren't dancing to it, Chris. Yes. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but, Chris, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Invincible 203, this missive, this machination? Sure. As Mark settles into his first day at Upstate University with William, as his roommate, he consummates his relationship with Amber. To give them some privacy, we suddenly are shifted to catch up with Alan the Alien. Following Alan's meeting with Mark Grayson in Season 1, he returns to the Coalition of Planets and shares his discovery that Mark could be the champion that they are looking for. Not only is he half-Vulturemite, but he also fought against his father. These two things have not happened in Vulturemite history since the Great Purge. The council leader, Thaddeus, is interested in the weakness revealed by Alan, but is also concerned that he believes there is a spy in the Coalition, a planet that had just joined the Alliance. It was targeted by the Vulturemites as soon as they signed up. Thaddeus tasks Alan with rooting out this spy, but soon after rekindling his relationship with his girlfriend Tedia, Alan is confronted by three powerful Vulturemites. They beat Alan to a pulp, trying to learn more about the Vulturemite who sired a child and left his post. As Alan recovers from his injuries, he is visited by Thaddeus, who pulls the plug on him to let Alan die of his own injuries. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Debbie Grayson, now an empty nester, goes to a support group for spouses of superheroes. But at a bar following the meeting, Debbie talks to Theo, another member of the group. She learns he was the husband of the Green Ghost, who was murdered by Omni-Man. 
when she reveals she was Omni-Man's wife, she is told never to return to the support group again. Back at the university, Mark is visited by an alien who takes the form of his favourite comic book character, Seance Dog. Mark quickly sees through the ruse and the alien, Nualzot, from the planet Thraxa, pleads for him to return and help him save his planet from destruction. With a little push from William, Mark says his goodbyes to Amber and asks her to tell his mum that he'll be gone for at least a month. Ignoring a direct order from Cecil, he travels to Thraxa to save the billions of residents. But when Mark arrives, he learns it was just another ruse. He was summoned to the planet by its leader, his father, Nolan Grayson, a.k.a. Omni-Man. <gasps> what a shocker of an ending. For good ending. It's a good mm-hmm. ending. Um, I do like they they jumped quite a lot with this, and again the narrator aspect was very fun. Did not see it coming. I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's a that's a different take. It was literally almost like the the pan reading panels that you would have on those mm-hmm. bits in a yeah. comic book. They go, they would pan away, and it would be someone else's narrating voice. Uh, like it was very fun. Uh, it the- was a very fun way of doing it. The narrator was excellent. I love the idea of uh, of seeing Mark. Uh, he's having sex with Amber. Okay, let's give him a bit of privacy. And then he goes off to Alan. Then Alan and Talia have uh, sex. And then he's like, okay, need to go back to Mark. Oh, no, um, no, they're still going on there. Um, Got to go back up to Alan. Where do we go next? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really good. Uh, nice, nice fourth wall break there. Um, so we should we jump into our top points for this episode to have kind of a deep, a deep discussion on what this is. Absolutely, yeah. We're going to start off with point number one. Let's talk about Debbie um, and Debbie's visit to the SOS, the Spouses of Superheroes. Um, This is following on from the first episode where Olga had paid her a visit and given her a card of a support group that that could help her out. Um, So Debbie decides to call it. And uh, now that she's an empty nester, having delivered Mark to college, uh, she is on her own trying to deal with all of her thoughts and feelings about what happened with Omni-Man. And I really enjoy this because it is starting to show Debbie. Well, hold on. Let me just explain that. They're expanding Debbie a lot more than the comics. And, right. But really in this, they're showing that, yeah, well, what is it like to not only be the wife or the spouse or the partner of a superhero where you have to deal with that, like Olga is saying, but now she's also dealing with this. The, the the grief over what Nolan has done and that Nolan called her a pet and all those different aspects. She's literally going through depression, PTSD, mm-hmm. loneliness, uh, empty nesting, like all these different problems <laughs> smashed into one. Absolutely. Um, so it really is, it, it, it's difficult. It, it's hard for her. Yeah. Uh, and you really get to see some of that, like, as it gets worse and worse throughout the episode of, like, mm-hmm. uh, especially then you really feel for her at the end. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're really writing Debbie's character really, really well. She's going through some absolutely awful stuff. And it's even just the disregard from Mark when he goes off. And we'll talk about, obviously, those details later on in the episode. But when he leaves and he just calls his girlfriend and goes, can you just call my mom and tell her I'm going to be gone for a month? Like, this woman has to have some serious abandonment issues anyway because of yeah. dealing with Nolan and what happened to him. And now Mark's gone off to college, said, I'll be back on Sunday. I'm only a 10-minute flight away if ever you need me. And now he's off to another galaxy um, with not even a phone call to her telling his girlfriend to call her, you know, Um, with everything that she's going through and this support group that she's effectively thrown out of by the end of the episode gets no actual support from them. Um, Yeah, Debbie's on a on a pretty bad path right now. Yeah. And you've got to read that the. The, the gentleman she goes for the drink with, who was um, the, the the partner of Green Ghost, mm, Theo, yeah. like he, he Theo goes hard mm-hmm. once he figures that out, and I suppose you can kind of understand it. You if you can see it from his perspective, but the delivery of that scene outside the bar between mm-hmm. the two of them. And you talked about how the the writer uh, did some episodes of you. Mm-hmm. You can really see those dramatic scenes. Like you could see that in live action being delivered and being straight laced and just okay, insert superhero A for policeman or fireman. Right. And you could see how it could really play well. Yeah. Uh, in just live action. And then 
which is one of these reasons I do. A, I love the show now, but also I love the the, the, the source material, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that, because they always played so well on, this is not your bog standard comic book. This mm-hmm. is not, this is, I, I joke with, this is not your father's comic book, uh, because it, it started as a trope and then it threw all the tropes out the window and they went into some very dark places. Yeah. This in this show shows me how far they're willing I think they're going to push Debbie like all the way yeah I think they're going to try and really get her to a point where you're like oh my god what's going to happen to her yeah absolutely absolutely I'm very worried for what could happen to Debbie in the future um so yeah it it was really really strong uh moments when Theo confronts her and says you know um, if you are the wife of Omni-Man, you should have known what he was like. You absolutely should have known your partner like I knew mine, basically. And if you didn't know him that well and you're not taking responsibility for it, I don't think the support group will be a safe place for any of us to be around you. So uh, so she's thrown out and that was kind of her only sanctuary. You kind of got the feeling, even when she looked at the card a few times that Alga had given her, you kind of got the feeling that she was going, oh, should I do this? Should I go to the support group? You know, so she must have yeah. the courage to go there. And then that door has been shut. So, yeah. Yeah. Tough episode for Debbie. Yeah. No, 100%. I think that's a majority if we want to move on to our next point. Yeah, let's move on to our second point uh, after Debbie. Um, because we have the return of our favorite alien from another planet, Alan the Alien. I love Seth Rogen. Hmm. So, A, I love the character of Alan the Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a good introduction to him in uh, season one. Yep. And this really expands not just his backstory, but it really opens up the, 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 the more universe, cosmic aspect of the, the invincible universe. Mm-hmm. And it goes deep. And you get a lot in this, what, 15 minutes kind of, kind of give or take. Yeah. Where you have all the history of both him, his, the planets, the coalition. And then the the next phase of what happens to him as well. Yeah, yeah. This felt like its own its own complete one shot. Uh, we talked about the Adam Eve special, which we will obviously come back to after the end of the season, uh, and we'll talk about it on that podcast. But uh, it's like a standalone story for Alan. So you get to learn everything you need to know about him. Um, you know how he was created. You know that he was created by his planet to beat the Viltrumites, um, among many many other test subjects. And he was the only success out of it but then it turns out he's not actually a success because he wasn't able to even beat one Viltrumite he was still beaten to a pulp so he is the best of them but now his mission is to find somebody that is a champion who could possibly beat the Viltrumites yeah I suppose like the, the way that the, I, I try and kind of play it up as like some of the 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 Marvel comic books where you're like you're, you're genetically cloned blah 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 it's just a fun thing to see of how like in terms of why he was created and who mm-hmm. he is, and when you have that backstory, and then see him go to the back to the council, explaining he's met Mark. Mark is mm-hmm. good. Mark is a Viltrumite or half Viltrumite, and that everything's okay. But then, and we'll get back to that kind of part in a second. But then seeing him go back to his girlfriend and seeing like you mm-hmm. get that's fun part of the show is they're not just showing the the juicy bit where like they could they could have easily when they they cut they cut this and then to this they could have just shown you just that scene in the council chamber yeah absolutely and just shown that no need to give you back he's an alien don't need to tell you why he was born and how he was born mm-hmm. and his backstory about his planet. No, I don't need that. And do you know? Don't need to know about his girlfriend kissing and all that. Don't need that. Do you know? We just need that scene in the 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 council. Yeah. Like it's fun that you get. Then you go back and you get to see him, and it's used in quite a playful way as well. Obviously, with the, them going to make out and uh, I was going to say bump uglies. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually when two aliens have sex. If that's <laughs> them bumping uglies, who knows. It could be bump beautifuls, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. It could be. It could be just not even bumping. It could be entangling, <laughs> like in our Avatar. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry. Always thinking about alien sex, Chris. Always thinking about yeah. alien sex. Always, always. <laughs> um, but it's fun to see that they do. They have given this character time to breathe. They're giving this universe time yeah. to breathe in a really fun way. Yeah, and uh, what's so interesting, I suppose, again, you know, I'm not the comic book reader. I didn't get this far with uh, with the comic books. Um, I haven't, haven't read up to Alan's story, but 
seeing this history in this episode, getting this pretty much half of the episode around Alan and what he's doing in the Coalition of Planets, what actually happens at the end of his part of the story came as a complete shock then. So um, because of all of that build-up, because we saw him last season, and because he's played by Seth Rogen, one of the producers on the show, you know, you're expecting that there's loads more to this character. Um and that aids the storytelling in this episode for me. I think it works really, really well, you know. But there's a couple of things that come out of it. So we mentioned he comes back, talks to the Coalition of Planets. We we meet the uh, the, the leader of the Coalition, um, who's Thedos, um, played wonderfully, of course, by Optimus Prime himself, um, Peter Cullen. So great to hear his voice uh, back in yeah. animation. So always good. In- instantly recognized him. Um we hear the story from Alan's perspective. He's been dealing with Viltrumites for years, as have the Coalition of Planets. They're, they're fully aware of who they are. He tells the story of Mark. He's a he's a half Viltrumite who fought against his father, and his father left Earth, leaving his post. All of these things are things that no Viltrumite has done before. At least Thedas says not since the Great Purge. So all interesting perspective on the story of Omni-Man and Mark that no other Viltrumite that they're aware of has ever sired a child on the planet he's been taken care of, and definitely none have ever walked away from their post. And that kind of comes back later on when we see the arrival of the three Viltrumites who are investigating this information that Alan has brought back because they're going, this can't be possible. There's no way that a Viltrumite left their post. There's no way that a Viltrumite sired another child because they all believe in uh, purity of their race, right? And purity of their people. Yeah. This is going to sound quite bad. They are a very um, fascist, Nazi-esque... They are space Nazis, absolutely. Yes, okay, grand. I was trying to tell you, they're space Nazis who believe in the Ubermann. Yes. Like, Ubermann. They're like, the Uberman. you do not sire uh, with these non-compatible Vulturemite genes because you don't want to pollute their gene pool exactly and it gets dark with that yeah and they go hard on alan Mm -hmm. because like he's lying there's no way Mm -hmm. a vulgamite will do this they are like the best of the best no vulgamite and we of course know this is to be true like uh like we know that omni nolan has left his post and we know he has sired but it's that kind of um belief that it really is kind of starts to cement the Vulturemites as real space Nazis. Yeah, yeah. And Alan takes an absolute beating here. Um, You know, the intestines are ripped out of him. His eye is is knocked out of his head, absolutely destroyed. And I was watching it going, this is as savage a beating as the Guardians of the Globe got from Omni-Man. Yet there's three of them here taking out all their frustration and anger on Alan here. There's no way he survived. Um and then we see him wrapped up in the hospital bed, uh, being visited by his girlfriend, Telia. And she's saying he's just about alive. Um, until Thetis gets his hands on the plug, right? Yep. And we heard there was a spy. A mole. From Thetis, though. Um, Thetis sent Alan to find the spy. And then he's the one that pulls the plug on Alan. I know. So I love how they leave it that because that mm-hmm. that is a like that's the epitome of a cliffhanger at some point. Like yeah. that is like yeah, our hero or in this case our hero, um, the other hero is on death's door, and do you know what? We're gonna pull the plug. Yeah. Does that mean he's gonna move him to a safe space and move to plug it out and run somewhere and Maybe. get him safe? Maybe. Or is he gonna kill him? Because they're leaning towards you. We're gonna kill him. Yeah. It is, definitely. And I suppose the speculation uh, in the episode, you're, you're set up to wonder who the spy is. And um, his girlfriend, Telia, calls out almost exactly the information that he gave to the council. Um, and then the Viltrumites all give exactly the same information that Alan gave to the council as well, almost verbatim in their case. So who's the spy? Is it Telia? Is it Thedos? Is it somebody else that we haven't met yet on the council? Um, potentially, there's there's uh, there's one of those three. Um, does Thedos think that Alan's the spy? Is that why he's going to kill him? Um, you know, it, it could be any of those things. Uh, yeah, and I, I hope we go back soon to this. I, I, I hope they don't just kind of leave this thread hanging. I fear they might, mm. um, because we got Alan one episode 
season one. Yeah. So, well, I like. I'm questioning whether they. I hope they go back to it in episode four and just kind of not don't leave us hanging, hanging. But yes, with it being a kind of let's call it a part one finale, mm-hmm. they might they might leave us until part two, and yeah. then we'll get a secondary kind of a, a secondary kind of no far far away and in a different galaxy we see Alan. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like, definitely oh God, like this. I definitely like to see it next episode, at least just to find out is he alive or dead. Um, yeah. Because that that does feel like the cliffhanger that they pulled the plug. We didn't see the body. We didn't have a funeral. So um, so is he still alive? At least come back and tell us that next episode. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. But that ends the episode right there. Everything else is post credit. Um, they did say this season would have a post credit on every single episode, but I didn't think it was going to be half of the episode. I know. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nicely played. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got to enjoy their they they're taking this. Absolutely. Uh one other thing quickly before we leave Alan the Alien, uh, I definitely want to call out that his girlfriend is played by Tatiana Maslany. Um this is her third role in the season so far, uh which I, I really like. I like that she's uh, she's been given all these voice roles in the show. They obviously love her comic genius. Um so uh so great to see Tatiana Maslany here in another role after uh the the previous two that she's played so far and of course uh, She-Hulk which we covered yes. here on this very podcast as well. Yeah, it's bringing it full circle. Uh, but let's move it on to our next point for this episode. Well, one of the major points. Absolutely, yes. Some visitors from space. Um, yeah, so we, we, we cut back to Mark as the second, uh, the second half of this episode. Um, and he has a very interesting experience after he's come back from, uh, from finally, uh, consummating his relationship with, uh, with Amber. He finds out that all of his childhood things, his comic books and all of his, uh, all of his, um, action figures that he's taken from home aren't going to play well in college. So he throws them all in the bin, except for Seance Dog, who is his yeah. favorite. And then he gets a visit from Seance Dog out of nowhere. I love it. <laughs> it's uh, so fun. And I love Seance Dog is in full Doctor Strange OG comic book regalia. Because that's just a fun way of doing it. Absolutely. John did watch this episode with me and wanted to make sure everybody knew how much he loves Seance Dog and wants him to get his own TV show and his own comic book because John's a massive Doctor Strange fan. So anything <laughs> taking inspiration from from Doctor Strange, he loves too. So I think he likes Mark even more now uh, because he's a fan of Seance Dog. Of course. Who doesn't love Seance Dog? <laughs> um, this is a fun ploy. It is a fun kind of piece because... Your, people are going to question. Oh well, it's a it's a comic book show. Maybe there really is a science dog, and he starts talking, and then it is fun to see how it turns out to be an alien uh, in in disguise. Yeah, and you, it's fun. But I think it works well because you know earlier on this season we have learnt about all the other dimensions, every, where yeah. every possibility is out there. This this uh, this world of multi dimensions. So it's entirely possible there is a world that has a science dog that lives there. Um, but yeah, exactly as you say. Uh, it turns out to be a ruse from the uh, from the alien uh, from Thraxa, and Mark just beats the crap out of him because that's what Mark does: punch him with yeah. his fist. What if it had turned out to be a visitor from another dimension? Uh, he would still punch the crap out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and look, it's a fun one where because you do get this. It's we need you to help save our planet. It is that Superman esque type of kind of you're the strongest one alive mm-hmm. we need you to help fly and destroy stop all the meteors from destroying our home world yeah can you help us and of course mark's like no i have like things to do here and it's fun that they use um william to kind of go well no dude you gotta do this it's mm-hmm. like it's it's it is it is like with great power comes great responsibility. Exactly. Like Spider Man line. Mm-hmm. Um, it does kind of ring true on that, and yeah. it's fun to see him kind of just go. Okay, right. Oh yes, I should go. I should help out. And I suppose if we jump to the end and jump back um, at the big reveal that this planet is um, under the leadership of his father Nolan Grayson, that kind of makes what happens here really interesting because clearly Nolan is the one that sent. Yeah. Um, Noel's off the alien to this planet to encourage Mark to get there. So he's playing on Mark's savior complex. He's playing yeah. on the fact that Mark thinks of himself as this superhero that has to protect everybody. So Noel Zot tells him that there's billions on the planet that will die if he doesn't come with them. And that allows Mark to 
put aside everything that he's uh, been focused on working for Cecil. We have Cecil calling him up, telling him, I order you not to go. And Mark going, I'm going. I don't care. I have to go and save these billions of people. That's what I would do as a superhero. I would have to work for myself, not you. To which, of course, Cecil replies, well, that's exactly what your dad would have said. Still doesn't stop Mark, though. Um, he also gets, as you say, gets the push from, from William, who's going to cover his classes. Amber says to him, don't ever apologize to me. I know what I'm getting myself into here. Don't ever apologize to me for saving lives. So he's been able to extricate Mark from all of his relationships by just playing on him being a savior. And that is definitely coming from Nolan. Yeah. And again, I love that reveal. Mm -hmm. That reveal at the end, because you get the boring space travel part. (laughs) We only got two minutes of it. Mark had six full days of it with absolutely nothing to do on the ship. (laughs) So that's when you kind of wish you brought a Game Boy exactly. or, or like just some deck of cards, solitaire, yeah. anything. Anything. Yeah. And I, I love that reveal because it really is a, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Because you do kind of don't think that's going to be how they reintroduce Omni-Man. Absolutely not. No, no, absolutely not. Obviously, there's a little bit of foreshadowing when uh, Noel Zot's asked by Mark where all the meteors are. And he goes, meteors? What? Meteors, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's even com- forgotten his cover story uh, that he gave to Mark to get him there. So uh, not the uh, not the smartest tool in the shed, really. No, not the smartest bug in the anthill. All right. Work. Yeah, that yeah. might work. Yeah. That might work. Okay. <laughs> so what did you think about this, Chris? What did you think about those, those reveals that we have? Uh, Mark leaving everybody behind, not talking to his mom, ignoring Cecil's guidance, um, and him getting there to a planet controlled by his dad um so backwards first i knew about the the dad part from the comic books so Mm -hmm. knew and as soon as i saw the bug knew what was going to happen but how they played it was quite well um and how they 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 adapted it i I enjoyed Mm -hmm. then not talking to his mom we've already discussed but it is he is trying he's separating himself from his life he's focusing on well he they're playing Mark as a character who is just very singular focused. Mm-hmm. So I'm a superhero. No, no, no. I'm a college boy. I want a life. And no, no, no. I want to do this. And like he becomes very hyper focused on very certain things. So mm-hmm. yeah, he wouldn't see his nose despite his face because he doesn't, his mum's feelings are not registering in terms of the anguish the anguish she is going through i i believe okay. like he he doesn't she's had years of dealing with nolan on this and to be fair she usually puts on a good face um mm-hmm. throughout most of it i think he starts to see parts of it where like she kind of the 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 hinge was coming off the door last episode and things like that Quite literally, the hinge is coming off the door. I think he he does reference it in this episode as well. You know, as I mentioned earlier on, that idea that he's saying to her, yeah, I'm going to be in college, but I'm only 10 minutes away. I can fly. Don't worry about it. Um, I can come back to you if you have any problems at all. But I just think it's quite interesting. And I have a theory. And again, I haven't read forward in the comic books. I have a theory from this. And you'd probably laugh at it, Chris. But my theory is Mark doesn't come back to Earth for quite a long time after this. Um, So he says he's gone away for a month. it's just the build-up that we have here, where we have himself and Amber have sex for the first time. His mom thinks he's going to see him in a couple of days' time, and he's gone for definitely a month. William's going to cover for him for a while. He's turned his back on Cecil. And this was before he got to the planet and met his dad there. Um, but I was kind of going, ooh, could you have a jump in time now where Mark's away from the planet for a while, and he comes back and maybe Amber's growing older with a son, potentially? Could you have that? Um, so it was an interesting, uh, an interesting idea that uh, that popped into my head. It would be, uh, it would be amazing to think that Mark missed his entirety of his of when he should have been going to college because he's off flying in space, and these people that are left behind on Earth are growing old without him. It is a good theory. It is a good. I, if if I would read that comic book, let's say that there you go. I would. I'm not going <laughs> to confirm or deny anything. Of course. Um, I, I kind of know by the fact that he met, uh, met up with his dad at the end of the episode. That probably won't happen. No, you never know. You never know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> unless but, you've no, read the comic books, Derek. I get it. Yes, unless you've read. <laughs> but again, actually speaking of, I'll say this. They, this, And we say this a lot of, on our different shows 
when there's it's based on some form of source material and it's an adaptation, like we just did it mm-hmm. quite recently on the Wheel of Time. They do a lot of changes and they adapt in different ways. There is a high chance they may make some stark differences and depart on yeah. the comic books. Like, yeah. yes, I knew the Omni-Man reveal. The other reveals that I think are coming may not happen. They may happen mm-hmm. next episode. They may happen eight episodes or season four. Like, it's hard yeah. to tell. Um, so, and at the same point, I get the feeling that just from the, the way Robert Kirkman talks about the, this show in particular, this is almost mm-hmm. like his chance to go back and use his history of and his new found knowledge of years of writing The Walking Dead and The Invincible to go back and change stories he wrote years ago. Years! Mm-hmm. Like like a decade plus ago. And go, actually, I'm a better writer now. I'm a better kind of director. I have better understanding of storylines. Yeah. I'm going to completely remove this part or I'm going to add in this part. Mm. And I think that's what they may do going forward and really spin season two plus into, we'll take some of the major beats, but you know what? We're going to get rid of this filler and we're going to do this part and we're going to change this. And I think this might be fun. And also he has a much better deal with Prime Video than he ever did with AMC. That was (laughs) something that he talked about in in many, many interviews with um, during his time working on the first three seasons of The Walking Dead that he would take the storylines from the comic book hit the major beats, but he would go circuitously around them. And then after he left the show, let's say, um, other than his executive producer role, after he left the show, they changed it completely and uh, went wildly off the comic books. So, um, yeah, I, I think he'll probably still hit the major spine of the story of Invincible, but will expand on on characters that didn't get the right treatment probably in the comic books. Yeah. Like, as you said earlier on, Debbie having the storyline that she has, he's got a great actress playing Debbie. Uh, she now has something really meaty to get her teeth into as a voice actress. So um, so I would say that's the kind of thing he'll do, expand and and, uh, and expand on the characters, which is really cool. Yeah, great. Great stuff. Anything else on the visitors from space, Chris, at all? No, I, I just really am interested where they go with this next episode because I think... Mm-hmm. I'm seeing this as a very much a part one, part two. So I see very much the next episode as finale. And if they if they do what right. I think they will do, it's going to be cool. Excellent, excellent. Looking forward to it. Um, we have a point four this week. Um, the point four is uh, oh, and the Guardians of the Globe are still messing about um, because they all appear here, but don't really accomplish anything. Might accomplish something in the future, but we're seeing them again. Um, it's it's just kind of interesting that you have a superhero team that would be the focus of a lot of other animated shows or movies, an entire superhero team that are supposed to be protecting Earth. And uh, we don't see them getting up to anything other than um, shouting at each other and having relationship problems. Yeah. The Guardians of the Globe were a fun one because even in the comic books, for example, right, they didn't even get, they got a spin off. They got two spinoffs actually, two different kind of mini issue kind of runs. Um, but it was never huge mm-hmm. because they again are not the the focus of Invincible. <laughs> Strangely, it's a better guy called Invincible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you're <laughs> right. In any other show, any other comic book, they would be the Avengers. They are the Justice League. They are the the Greek. But it's so much fun here to see how they really are a group of they're broke. They, it's a very fractured, broken group. Oh, it's totally a human group. Yeah. Um, especially with like Rudy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the character of Rudy and Monster Girl. Um, mm-hmm. and seeing them kind of go on, like, like kind of the the back and forth, and will they, won't they, and they're gonna go on a date. Do they go on the date? What mm-hmm. happens on the date? Where do they go from here? It's fun to see that because, again, seeing Rudy as essentially a newborn, Mm -hmm. just in episode one, feeling fear for the first time. Um, So it's fun to see that. It is, yeah. And and as I say, the the interesting part of the characters is if you were just to have five minutes in an episode with the Guardians of the Globe, these are not the five minutes I would expect to have with them uh, where we're just seeing 
Rudy and Monster Girl go on a date and him learning about uh, fast food for the first time and going to a horror movie for the first time, um, having an argument between Rexbode and Duplicate about the fact that she slept with the immortal and her saying, well, the reason why I've slept with him is because he's the only one who's died as much as I have. Um, and that's her whole reasoning behind their relationship. That little comedy moment with Shapesmith, again, uh, completely unable to... Um, keep up this idea that he's human uh, where he walks into the gym and says he's going to walk into in a stationary location uh, which is his version of uh, of trying to go to the gym and work like another human um, but that's it that's all they yeah. get of the episode you'd expect if you're to drop in with the Guardians of the Globe you'd at least have them stopping a bank robbery if it wasn't going to be something superhero like um, you'd have them do something other than them effectively attack each other for uh, on relationships or start new relationships. And I do like the duplicate and immortal bit because the the immortal is essentially the boss. He's the Captain America. And this is like a junior member sleeping with Captain America yes. who is a thousand years old or more. Mm-hmm. So, he, so like, he's more the Tony Stark is what you're saying. Yeah, probably actually. <laughs> That's probably a better way of putting it. <laughs> fair, fair. Nice job. Nice job. Well done. Um, by the way, Team Team Stark all the way uh, yeah. versus Team Cap. Yeah. Team Cap all the way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I enjoy that. And it, it does actually, it, it, there's a nice uh, deeper thing there where Duplicate, it tells you that every version of her duplicate that dies, she feels. Yes. So, again, that's an interesting kind of tidbit that you're kind of going, oh, so she is living that additional bit. So she is feeling that death. Each and every time. And if you look mm. back at season one, how many times she's died, you're like, oof, that's a, that's a spicy meatball already. Yeah, it's a lot. And if you consider, as you say, Immortal's been around for thousands of years and dies pretty often. And she's saying she's died just as often. That's uh, that's yeah. quite a lot uh, of death to have gone through in the short life that she's had. Exactly. Um, but yeah, again, very much is nice to just check in with them and interesting to see where if they will kind of go further into the the Guardians in the next episode, or if that's kind of, that's the Guardians name, we'll see them again in part two. Um, because again, Adam, Adam Eve is not even there yet. Like, so you've got to see, well, will she rejoin the Guardians of the Globe? Um, mm. is, is she going to become like a part of the crime? And then is that how they get a we get a more focused view on them? Because Rexplode, secondary character, the rest of the Guardians, you could yeah. almost argue, are tertiary. So why are they important to the rest of the story now? Is the the, the question I'm going to start asking? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any any notes that you have for the episode? Anything else we haven't talked about, Chris? That you wanted to talk about? Just a quick one. Uh, you asked me to um, to kind of bring this in about Seance Dog. Um, in season one, we talked about this, but Seance Dog was uh, originally in the comics Science Dog, um, and was changed for this uh, for the show uh, to Seance Dog. And um, we called this out in Chris's comic book corner. But the reason for this, it's essentially Kirkman and his uh, co writing team were like, "No, Science Dog is a." It had its own comic book. It's its own thing. It's its own legal like rights and stuff. And you know what? We we want to kind of hold him off in case we want to do a science dog TV show or mm-hmm. movie in the future. And I that's why they changed it. You know what? This is to Seance Dog and make it look like Doctor Strange. Very and good. That's how they did. Very good. I like it. I like it because I think we were talking about it before uh, our last season that uh, Carl in The Walking Dead used to wear a science dog T shirt, uh, nice. and he used to wear that in the comic books. Translated over onto the AMC TV show as well, which is quite cool um, in those first couple of seasons. But uh, but now it's Seance Dog uh, here. But what a good choice to take a uh, some inspiration from Doctor Strange, at least. Very yeah, cool. Exactly. So yeah, that's all all my notes for this episode. Excellent. I just have one um, on. off the back of uh, of Gen V. I just really enjoyed the conversation between uh, Amber and Mark before they have sex uh, in college because we've just watched an entire season of Gen V where they talked about um, people having sex in college, all the things that a superhero has to go through. They created a PSA video in case you haven't seen it with all of the heroes from Gen V talking about the things you have to do as a superhero, make sure you're standing 20 feet apart uh, when you try things for the first time. And Amber goes through these thoughts in her head where she's saying to Mark, um, 
will you crush me? Will you accidentally crush me when we're having sex? Is that something that you'll do? And then she asks whether he has super sperm. Uh, would that possibly kill her? Um, you know, and then he uses his superpowers to turn off the lights and uh, and then they have sex. But uh, but I really like that they had that conversation that she's questioning whether uh, whether his um, super abilities might affect them. Just given our, our previous history coverage, Andrew. Exactly. And it is a question many nerds have asked about Superman and Lois Lane. And it actually came up in Kevin Smith films. Would would Lois Lane's uterus survive Superman? Yeah, it was Ball Rats, wasn't it, where that came up? Yes. Yes, it was. Good excellent, stuff. Excellent. One final one as well. Uh, another question that Mark has about his own uh, his own abilities. Um, when he arrives at, at college, his mom tells him not to do drugs. And he goes, would they even work on me? And his mom says, I don't want you even trying to find out. Um, so uh, I just thought it was interesting because, again, I have no idea what's coming in the future. But is this a nod to potentially drugs would work on Mark? What could happen to him if he's uh, under the influence of some kind of drugs? That would be interesting. Uh, a possible trail for uh, for the for the show or comic to go down. I think I'm going to be writing the alternate future of Invincible in my own comic book. <laughs> or what semi-invincible is that the, is that the, the ultimate comic book maybe invincible possibly invincible invincible yeah. <laughs> kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of invincible there you go <laughs> great stuff well with all those notes out of the way and our top points Derek do you want to tell me what your final thoughts are for this episode of Invincible Season 2 Episode 3 Dismissive This Machination I really, really enjoyed this episode. I was really surprised that it was split in so much in two between Alan the Alien and uh, what's going on with Mark and Debbie on, on Earth. Alan the Alien's piece felt like its own episode. Hell, he got his, his own title card. And then when the credits yep. came up, the writing credits came up at the end, I was going, wow, that was a short episode. But hey, they can do it whatever, whatever way they want to do these. And then suddenly I was back into another episode. I thought that post credit scene, as I was calling it, I thought that moment with the Guardians of the Globe was the post-credit like we've gotten the last two episodes and it was just going to end and then it went on and on and eventually I checked the timer and went, oh wow, we've got another 20 whole minutes here with Mark. Um, but it led to the biggest reveal of the show so far that Omni-Man did not leave Earth and go back to Viltrum. He's gone off to another planet, taken it over and is now summoning Mark to him. That's pretty huge, really, if you go by what we've learned about the Viltrumites, that they are their own society, finding other planets and just taking them over across the galaxy. Um, not only has Omni-Man made a child on Earth with a human, he's left his post, not gone back to Viltrum and brought Mark to him. So that's a really interesting place to leave their story and a great cliffhanger for their story for next time. I did really enjoy hearing more about Alan, his creation, where he came from, his purpose, and then was really also pretty shocked by the ending of the episode because that does look like the end of Alan as well. So, um, so yeah, I'm hoping he's not dead. I'm hoping we see him back next episode. But I thought it was a really, really good episode this time. How about yourself, Chris? What final thoughts do you have of this episode? I absolutely loved it. It was fun. It's quick. And it, yeah, not outside of all the points you kind of gave, for me, that jump to Debbie, that jump to Alan while everyone was getting knocking the nasties or knocking entwining tails, whatever way they do it in a, in space or on earth. Um, those are, it's a fun way of doing it and bringing in that fourth wall breaking narrator aspect. Um, it's fun it, and it's a unique take and it sets things up. And again, it leaves it. If this is a penultimate episode of part one, which it is that's mm -hmm. what I'm feeling and kind of the senses, it's a huge cliffhanger to leave it on. Not just Omni-Man is back and he's summoned Mark. It's the Alan the Alien cliffhanger. Who is the mole on the council? Is it Thaddeus? Mm -hmm. Is it, um, is Alan alive? Is that, is that the end of Seth Rogen's character already? Mm. I don't think so because Seth Rogen's going to write himself into everything. <laughs> and I love him for it because I love Seth Rogen, but that's a different story. Um, it's just so I, it, interesting to see where they go for this next episode and how far they will go into the the space aspect of Invincible mm -hmm. um, and what kind of like the Vultramites and where all that will kind of go. Because again, you're, you, they're space Nazis and you now have a planet that has no Vultramite on it. 
Nolan abandoned his post? Is he summoning Mark to say, I'm about to go back and take over, so I wanted to bring you away and keep you here while I destroy Earth? Like, where do we go in episode four? So, really excited to see, and we're only a few days away. A week away. Absolutely. A week away. A week away. Excellent stuff. Uh, I think we should hear what some of our fellow Guardians thought about last week's episode, Chris. Yes, let's do it. Uh, we Don't forget, you can send us your feedback by heading on over to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries, and you can leave us your thoughts there, or you can send us your feedback via email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. First up, we have an email from the one and only Victor Doc Seismic Von Doom. Well done, Victor. Clever pun. I do enjoy it. Like it. Like it. Victor had this to say. Greetings, fellow Guardians. I'm very happy to have Invincible return. Who said animation is just for kids? I have found this series and comics very impressive and full of a drama. I particularly feel for Debbie, Mark and Eve. They express real-world concerns and drama as much as Stanley and Marvel did back in the day. I laugh when the Atlantean Queen boasted of abandoning the barbarian custom of political marriage for trial by combat. <laughs> How is Donald alive? Is Cecil cloning his staff? I must have missed this in the comics. I am looking forward to an Omni-Man Homelander face-off in the upcoming Mortal Kombat game. I have heard opinions from the creators of The Boys and Invincible that Omni-Man would totally decimate Homelander. I guess we'll find out for ourselves in the game. Eagerly awaiting the TVPI podcast and feedback. Don't lose your head. Victor Duck Seismic Von Doom. <laughs> Always a good thing to say in this universe. Uh, Victor, don't lose yeah. your head. <laughs> it's going to be the kind of key one. As long as you can keep your head attached to your body and the rest of your tor- body attached to your torso, you're going to be okay. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Thinking of Alan here, maybe not. But, hmm. Mm. Um, haven't played MK1, the, the, the updated version that recently released. I do know, yes, Homelander and Omni-Man are playable characters as part of the DLC. Um, have not played it. Not a big fighting fan. Looked at it. It looks impressive. Mm. They do have a fatality, which is kind of those big cinematic fatality kind of, kind of kills in it with Omni-Man where he does the subway scene he grabs yes, them and that's right. wish we had it was good and it is bloody and it is disgusting and amazing all at the same time <laughs> yeah we were talking about it last week I'm a, I'm a massive uh mortal Kombat fan particularly i've been uh, playing all the games but i never buy them when they come out because they put in so much dlc to them mm. that you might as well wait and get it all together so uh, so i'll probably get it in about six to eight months time but i really can't wait to have a go with omniman he looks really well powered and i'm really intrigued to see how they pitch him up against uh Homelander, when that comes out, that's yeah. out in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but I know it's not voiced by Anthony Starr. Um, but yeah, if you if, if you do check, if you do Google the internet who'd win in a battle, Omni-Man is the one that wins. Um, he's, he will take out Homelander pretty quickly, apparently. Um, he's way, way stronger than Homelander. Yeah. So very intriguing to see. Great stuff, Victor. I hope you get to play it. Let us know if you get to play it before us, uh, what you thought of uh, of Mortal Kombat. You did have one other question, which uh, I think is the big question that we've had so far this season, and myself and John talked quickly about it last week. Uh, how the hell is Donald alive? Um, he just reappeared out of nowhere, and Debbie called it out last week. We didn't see him this week because we only saw Cecil for a second this week, but how's Donald back? Where did that come from? Was it in the comics, Chris? I actually can't fully remember. Right. I have a vague understanding in my head, so I think it might be, but I also might have missed it. I just can't. Um, so it's one of these. Yeah, well, they'll they'll pay it off. They'll pay it off and tell us. So basically, not only does Donald look like Agent Coulson, he also has come back from the dead after dying in a big sacrifice in the first season. Yes. So, uh, so he is the Agent Coulson of this universe. 100%. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks, Victor, for your thoughts. Thanks, Victor. We also got an email in from Coffee and Vodka who says, Greetings, fellow super seismic defenders. From start to ending, a perfectly detailed overview of a world constantly beset by mega events, ever in need of surveillance, assistance, and correction. 
This makes Cecil the planet's number one superhero whose power is seemingly not needing sleep. Love the distinction of a society that considers marriage barbaric and trial by combat civilised, though to be fair, they're kind of the same thing. Standout moments for me were Mark and Mom finally beginning to team up in combating their post-Omni-Man PTSD. Mark's brief dark turn in the cursed city and the angstrom closing scene. He's got some serious gravitas. So far, so great. Five fish fillets on safe substructures and deadhead dads out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Excellent stuff, coffee and vodka. Five out of five for last week's episode. Yes, thank God. Uh, five fish fillets. Five fish fillets out of fish fillets. Um, and I wonder if that's the McDonald's fish fillets or is this an actual fish burger or these chicken fingers? What's the, what's the quantity and quality here? <laughs> For me, I'm the same. I love this episode and it is, it's a fun one as well because you do, I didn't, we actually barely talked about it, my thoughts on episode two, but it's a fun one to see Mark go off and do that whole arranged marriage versus political kind of marriage for political convenience, trial by combat. It is a fun one. Uh, and then seeing how that all plays mm-hmm. out because you're like, hmm, how is this going to play out? Is Absolutely. he going to marry a, the, a fish woman? It'd be fine if it was like Aquaman kind of versus they, they, they flipped it very fun, which is kind of fish head legs. <laughs> But like, what if it was the other way around? Exactly. If it was like a merman, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's that's the fun they like to have in this show, right? Uh, I, that's the other character voiced by Tatiana Maslany, Chris, uh, in case you didn't know. Ah, there you go. Excellent. Thanks so much, Coffee Vodka. And thanks so much to everybody else for your feedback. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts on any of the episodes we have so far. Or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. Uh, you can share your thoughts on any of the spoiler posts we have for each and every episode of the shows we're covering. Yes, thank you so much. We'll be back next week for the finale of part one season two of uh invincible which is episode four it's been a while and i want you all to say it's been a while like that every time i mention (laughs) the title next episode because that's all that anytime i see it's been a while it's when i read it that's how it goes out of my head but yes make sure you join us for that next week naughty's christian rock chris is it always creed it's been a while (laughs) It is great. I think I think that's in, somewhere in the back of my head. <laughs> excellent, excellent. We have loads and loads of other podcasts that we've been uh, covering over the last couple of weeks. We've just finished our coverage of Loki season two, an excellent ending to a okay season, uh, which made the season overall seem much better than it was. Uh, but we did really enjoy the final episode. A great, great closing out uh, of it. But uh, yeah, I think there was some uh, some odd ones in there uh, as we went along, where uh, we weren't agreeing on uh, whether an episode was good or not. Um, yes, which was quite interesting. Was definitely, yeah. It, it it was a it was a it was almost like a football match. It was a game of two halves and a game of two teams. And I, much like football, I didn't understand the rules and what was happening half the time. But sure, at the end, <laughs> it was a fun time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It ended off with a, with a great, uh, capper on the season. Great stuff. Uh, we also finished covering the boys spin off Gen V. If you haven't watched Gen V and you're watching Invincible on Prime Video, why not pop on over and watch Gen V? It's the spin off of the boys. It's a very adult live action show. And I think, as I've said in my notes here, uh, if you've liked Invincible and you're old enough, go check out Gen V. I think you'll enjoy it. Yes, very much. If you like the boys, you'll like Gen V. If you like any college drama as a kid, you'll like Gen V. If you like good TV, you'll like Gen V. Mm. Yeah. I think probably the end bit is if you like TV and good TV, you'll like Gen V. I'd still caveat it. I don't think it's for everybody, Chris. <laughs> it is. More people that watch it, we definitely get more and more of these shows. I'm just <laughs> telling people. Hey, your granny will love it. Mm. She will love it. She Especially might. that opening episode, like where there is a, uh, a nine foot uh, the phallic object, or at least from a screen size. Like, yeah, she'll love it. Just tell your granny to watch it. She might like it. She might like yes. it. Uh, but in the interest of covering every single thing that comes out uh, related to comic books, we also went to the cinema this week and covered uh, the next in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, chatting about the Marvels, uh, the brand new movie coming out from the MCU. The movie was so much fun. Really, really enjoyed it. Had lots of fun in the cinema. Um, there tends to be so much grim stuff out there. I think I really enjoyed going to a movie that I could just laugh and have fun at. 
Yeah, and that's the key thing. It's a good, rollicking good cinematic blockbuster. And it has some very fun comedic moments. Mm-hmm. It has some good action. Um, if you like Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, or uh, Monica Rambeau, if you like those characters, you'll love this. Mm-hmm. If you like a good time, you'll love this. If you don't like a good time, you won't like this, but yes. you wouldn't be listening to this podcast anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And all of those podcasts about all of those things are available on our main feed on TV Podcast Industry. So pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com and subscribe to our main feed or any of the other feeds that you'll find up there. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with you next week. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Keep watching, keep listening, and keep being invincible. Bye. Bye.